Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers' afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers' afternoon drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, what's going on? I feel like the music hits a little different on a Friday, right? It's just... Yeah, it's just and and this Friday actually feels like a Friday. Like we haven't had one of these in a while, where it's not the day before a game, it's not a holiday. I mean, I guess the holiday is coming up, but it's just a Friday. Feels like a Friday. Happy Friday. I'm in a good mood. I uh, made a little stop on the way home from the Steelers facility today. So this shout out Derek Bell at at Steelers underscore DB on Twitter. You can tell <laughs> how wrong he is about raising canes. There we go. It's delicious. Um, you- you also made a stop yesterday at the Smith household after or actually before you got police station pizza, which, by the way, I feel like you just need to share with the audience of the show because they might not be familiar. So I've not I've, I've worked in Beaver County, I worked at the Beaver County Times. I've heard all about police station pizza in Ambridge, and I'd never been there. Everybody tells me I had to go. And my wife is from New Jersey and quite a pizza snob. Mm. I am also something of a pizza snob. So I was like, look, I've seen the pictures. It doesn't look like pizza I was going to like. So I kind of always just put it off, and I, I've been wanting to eventually do it. So like, all right, let's go. Let's give it a try. And uh, it does not look good, but it does taste good. And it is, like, insanely thin and light for being thick. Like, it's airy and also crispy and kind of magic. And uh, very good. Very, very good. There you go. So, yes, Big Ambridge, thing. if you're ever in the area, if you are in the area and you're a member of this audience, uh, please be sure to check out Police Station Pizza. Also, now you mentioned, okay, you've checked that box. I mentioned to Yolanda's, which is literally right by my house. Uh, so you would have gone pretty much past it yesterday, but you'll have to come back to try that. And then Frank's Pizza was also recommended to you. So a couple more reasons to get into Beaver County. All right. All right. We'll have to, we'll have to keep, we'll keep moving along. We'll, we'll see what we can do here. But uh, Ryan also said that she, she was, she was okay with the with the police station pizza. She is, I mean, she's a big New Jersey people are very particular about their pizza. She is uh so if you got her seal of approval, you're doing something right. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you have a gift from me, which is a small token. Um this I can't I honestly I haven't looked at this because I wanted right. to share with the audience, and you have my genuine reaction to whatever is in this box. This is our first ever Steelers afternoon drive unboxing event. <laughs> that, is, that is what we're doing here. We should, yeah, let's set up a PO. I can't imagine the stuff people would send us if we had like a PO box set up. All right. So let's see what's in here. 
All right, you mentioned the stickers, but there's something on top of the stickers. It's a it's a hat. It, it is, is a hat. hat. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> I might, and look what hat I wore today. Too. I know it's so good. So I couldn't find one that had the exact opposite of your smiley face hat, but I came pretty close. <laughs> This is amazing. So now the days when you're not feeling smiley face, you can go with the hashtag yeah. hater hat. And well, you uh, mentioned that this is the first like Friday episode we've had in a while. And yeah, like we had a Friday after a Thursday night loss and then two weeks in a row where they played on Saturday. So yeah, it's been a while since we had like the legit Friday episode. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm feeling, Oh, and like, this is insane. Like this is so like middle school of me. Like the brim is like shiny. It's like a different material. Oh, this is beautiful. I felt like it, it both uh, f- uh, form and function there. As that, that's that's what I was. It, it it plays the part. It also just looked like something you would wear. So, <laughs> that, uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> also, I got to show the people the stickers that came with it because these are sweet. Yeah, we got some of them. Maybe there we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Give some of those away too. Yeah. All right. Well, as I'm taking the sticker off and putting this hat on, we can talk about football as we are four and a half minutes into this thing uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and Pittsburgh Steelers on the ledger. Um, the Steelers obviously dealing with a little bit of injury stuff, you know, status quo, as we kind of expected, we wouldn't have Minka Fitzpatrick back in this one. He landed Roberts in this one dealing with a peck injury. Kenny Pickett not rolled out listed as questionable, though we know Mason Rudolph's going to start. But Alan, the one that left me a little bit surprised here was Trenton Thompson not being able to turn for this one. Yeah, I talked to Trent today and you know, he said, in fact, not only is he not going to play this week, he's probably not going to play next week either. Kind of said it would be more like if they make it to the playoffs, that first week yeah. of the playoffs, he'd be able to come back. You know what? So a stinger is like a neck injury, but it's really a nerve injury. And so, uh, you know, he said they're they're concerned about the, the chance of some long-term damage. You know, like he feels okay, but he's got to be smart right now. And he said if they made it to the playoffs, you know, that would, he, he feels like that would be feasible in terms of being able to work his way back. Talked to Landon Roberts very briefly today. He's in good spirits, going to miss uh, his first game since 2020, which uh, that hurts when you're a player. Um, but uh, he he's he's he looks I mean, not in a sling, not in a brace, you know, not like TJ, for example, a couple days after his pec injury last year. So I think still holding out hope that there's a chance that he'd come back this this season, and then Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, one video up here on the YouTube channel, running for practice today, taking part in yeah, the stretching go. with his teammates anyway, and then he actually kind of sprinted off the field past me uh, to go get some treatment after uh, that sort of initial part of sort of pre-practice stretching with his teammates. But a step forward, I would say, in his recovery and looks like a guy that is still trying to come back this year. So I think that's where they are in the injury front. We haven't got the Seahawks news. Won't get that until later uh, in terms of Metcalf, Adams. They have somebody else who's banged up to Witherspoon, right? Well, I think he's going to play yeah. probably, yeah. but uh, still haven't got an official word on those three guys. Yeah, I haven't seen anything with him in terms of like concern about him actually missing this one. Um, like I mentioned, this Bob Kandata, uh, who I've kind of been following for Seahawks stuff, has mentioned that, uh, you know, oh, actually here within the last couple of minutes, it's just Seahawks roll out Jamal Adams, DK Metcalf listed as questionable with a back injury. So there, there we go. You. 
they're in time realizing that that is the case. Alan, the other one that I want to talk about, obviously on the quarterback front, we know Mason Rudolph's going to start. Kenny Pickett, though, listed as questionable as opposed to being out. I mean, do, is there so do we see a scenario here? Is this possible or is this even maybe what you're thinking that Kenny Pickett operates as the backup in this one? I guess it's possible. Um, you know, it didn't really seem like you know, I talked to a couple of players and they basically said that Mason Rudolph took all the reps this week, that there were no neither Kenny Pickett uh, nor Mitch Trubisky did much, if anything, with the first team. So mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, I don't know. I guess if Kenny's healthy, I mean, Mitch was playing so poorly that I guess if Kenny is medically cleared to play at this point, maybe you make him the backup. I don't know that you would use a third spot, you know, do you want to, you want to use a third roster spot on a quarterback that can barely play? I don't know. I think he would have to be able to play to dress. I I just, I don't know. It seems like that's a pretty narrow um, path, but maybe it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was just, I thought it was odd him being questionable for this one. I just assumed he'd be rolled out, but I guess, you know, if they're in a pinch, does that show you, just the lack of faith that there is at Mitch Trubisky, if that is the case where Kenny is operating as the backup. Yeah, I guess they could make him the emergency quarterback too, right? Like they could just make Pickett the yeah, number yeah. three, you know, break glass in case of emergency guy. I guess that's a possibility too, where it's like, hey, like we don't think this is a good idea, but could he go out there and be better at it than, you know, I actually don't know who the emergency quarterback is. Like, yeah, really. I don't have any idea. Um, hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to even come up with a good candidate. If he could have gotten a little bit more arch on that pass, Connor Hayward, maybe. You know, like it <laughs> might be Connor Hayward. I don't know. I can't come up with a, like a Miles Boykin. I don't know. He's tall. He kind of looks like he might have been able to play quarterback at some point. I, I don't know. I don't have any idea. But yeah, maybe he's the third quarterback. I don't know. Uh, either way, it seems pretty unlikely to me that anyone other than Mason Rudolph is going to play in this game unless there's an injury. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, just to give a full look here, D. Eskridge, Jason Peters, Frank Clark, Jamal Adams all rolled out for this game. And then there's a plethora of players that are questionable, including Kenneth Walker, Devin Witherspoon, DK Metcalf, Mario Edwards, Jordan Brooks, and Nick Bellore. So, uh, yeah, a lot of names on there, but it really seems like the only ones that like seem too concerned with uh from their side were Jamal Adams and DK Metcalf. So it seems like everybody else probably did go. Yeah, Metcalf's obviously a big deal. And so is Adams on the other side. You yeah. know, one of their big um you know, kind of like hybrid safety linebacker type that plays a lot in the box and does a lot of the same things for them that make it Fitzpatrick does for the Steelers in terms of taking away uh guys in the underneath part of coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's uh, let's shift focus then to this matchup, not just talking about the injuries, but players within it, uh, matchups within it, and kind of keys, in your opinion. What are some matchups? We talked a lot about, you know, the DK Metcalf, assuming that he's able to go against Joey Porter in those three receiver sets and how the Steelers' back end is going to have to deal with that. But, like, what else stands out to you in terms of matchups, whether that's Steelers' offense against Seattle defense or vice versa? Boye Mafe is a edge rusher that I don't think maybe is a household name around the NFL that I think is going to be. He is a really talented player in his second year out of Minnesota, where he's number 53. The, the Seahawks use the Seahawks play a very similar base defense to the Steelers. 
And I think you can really see a lot of Alex Highsmith as a young player in Mafe. Maybe not quite as big, but has that like same uh, presence coming off the edge where he just has a, a lot of good level, uh, high level moves. Uh, and seems to have a pretty good a- approach in terms of how he how he can use them. Dan Moore actually played against him last year in that preseason game here in Pittsburgh, mm. and he said he was not surprised when he looked up the you know the stats this year and saw that Mafe has nine sacks coming into this one because he felt like when he played him in the preseason last year, even as a rookie, that that was a guy that had some juice to him and that he was going to be a tough matchup this week. I think when you look through the guys that the Steelers have played, and they've played almost every – elite edge rusher in the league except for micah parsons this year um even when you compare him to bosa and crosby and garrett like there's this is a guy with some juice like he is maybe not quite as productive as those guys but but he can really bring it and i think minimizing him especially on mason rudolph's backside you know mason's not um super mobile doesn't like to move around the pocket that much he wants to stand in there they got to keep him clean and um, the Seahawks do a really nice job of putting Mafe in those really wide angles, seven, nine tech where he's like outside the tackle and, and comes screaming off the edge there. And I think it puts a lot of stress on the left tackle. If you want to try to block him one-on-one. And I think that's an interesting uh, matchup to watch in this game for sure. Dan Moore has been a little bit better the last week. Maybe he was pretty rough against Indianapolis, I thought it was better against Cincinnati. He's going to have to have a good one. I feel like Mafe is the one guy on that defensive line. Clark and Williams are maybe older, more established names, but I feel like Mafe is the guy that really has the ability to take a game over of the players in there right now. Yeah, uh, 40th overall pick just a couple seasons ago was actually a pick that they got in that Russell Wilson trade, you know, kind of bring the Russell Wilson stuff back into this conversation. But yeah, he's one of those like multi-sport athletes, just a great athlete off the edge. Um, Definitely was a fan of him coming out. So I'm not surprised that he's kind of turning into this player either. Maybe a little bit quicker than I thought he would would like i thought like next year would maybe be the year we're seeing what he's putting together this year but yeah he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on up front um what about like a in, in the interior like they made a big free agent splash draymond jones who they brought over from denver this offseason i think that he was a guy that i kind of highlighted as like a priority free agent he ends up going to seattle and i thought that was a great acquisition for them though i haven't paid attention a ton to his season this year i don't know if you got anything on him yeah, so, I mean, they use a lot of guys in the interior, Clark and Jerron Reed, uh, Mario Edwards, Leonard Williams, Cameron Young, who was a rookie this year in the fourth round, who I really liked. Um, and so I think it's more about, like, they're just, they're a very rotational defensive line. I don't think you ever see one guy that, to me, like, I watched the Ravens game, and I didn't see, like, one guy jump off the page, and then you kind of look at the numbers, and you're like, they did a good job, even though you know, like not there was not there wasn't that one guy that yeah. you really needed to watch out for, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's um, that's a testament to their depth, but I think also just you know, the consistency of this coaching staff and Pete Carroll, and you know the, they do things a certain way. They've done those things for a very long time. I think that makes it very easily to be a well-coached team. I had a player tell me this week that Mike Tomlin called them the Baltimore Ravens of the NFC. And I think that's a great way to describe it. Mm. We're like, it doesn't necessarily matter who's in there. It still looks like the Baltimore Ravens. You know, you swap out a Calais Campbell and a Jadavian Clowney for Justin Matabuke and Odafe Owe. And it's, 
still the Ravens, right? It's still, you know, guys come and go and you still get the same results and the same character. And I, he, he feels like the Seattle Seahawks are very similar in just the way they go about their business on defense. Uh, well, okay, so we know how Mike Tomlin feels about those Ravens linebackers, right? Every time we play him, he talks about Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and how much he likes them. In this matchup, Bobby Wagner came back to Seattle this past offseason. Jordan Brooks a little bit banged up. How much could we see of old friend Devin Bush at that second level of the Seattle defense? I'm not sure old friend is the proper context for <laughs> Devin Bush playing against the Steelers. Yeah, people were talking about it being like a revenge week, and I'm like, revenge for what? Like, it's not like the organization did anything to him. Like, I don't like, know. Drafted him 10th overall. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a revenge game in the sense that, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. De- Devin Bush didn't seem to make a lot of friends in this time in Pittsburgh. Somebody asked an offensive player this week like about playing against them, and they were just like, oh, there's 11 guys over there. I don't know. I don't care. Like, seems <laughs> like it's uh, it's not a priority for anyone. He specifically is not room. on their mind. Yeah. yeah, he's not on anybody's mind. I, I agree with that. And, you know, his little social media trolling of the Steelers after their losses a couple weeks ago while – you know, childish and immature has not seemed to have ruffled any feathers either. It just seems like the Steelers players are uh, maybe maybe happy he's over there. Maybe that's like the feeling I, I get the, the most is that like if there's any feeling I'm getting about Devin Bush, it's like, yeah, just glad he's on the other side now. Uh, that's uh, not old friend. I don't think fits. Okay, well, yeah, like Jordan Brooks, I think very was very much in question whether he was going to be able to go in this one again. Like, not a lot of talk about him. He is listed as questionable, so we'll see if he's able to give it a go. But if it's him and Bobby Wagner, um, that's a pretty formidable group. Jordan Brooks has been kind of towards the top of the league uh, in tackles the last couple seasons. Bobby Wagner showed last year in L.A. He can definitely still go before coming back to Seattle. So what kind of challenges do those guys present at the second level? Yeah, I mean, the Steelers have a linebacker who was retired this year, and he's like four years <laughs> younger than Bobby Wagner. Uh, so yeah. that's, uh, that's that's interesting. You know, I think those two guys are really good. I think the front keeps them clean. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing I noticed when I watched you know, them play is that they, they just have the room to be free. They're not over-aggressive. You're not going to get them on those big, you know, cutback lane runs. They're just super sound. Um, I, I think that's uh, – you know, it's really a run defense where you kind of have to take what's there against. You're not really going to get a ton of big plays. If you block a well, you can get, you know, seven or eight. But you know, those kind of home run runs are tough unless linebackers and safeties make mistakes. I think their linebackers are very good and they don't make a lot of snakes. And I think Quandary Diggs is a pretty solid safety back there as well in terms of just coming mm-hmm. up and not doing too much and, and, and making the right reads. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the Joey Porter Jr. versus DK Metcalf stuff, but I think it's very intriguing. Reek Woolen and Devin Witherspoon, assuming Witherspoon's going to be able to go against George Pickens and Deontay Johnson on the other side of this thing, too. I really like Tariq Woolen coming into the combine. I gave him an Ike Taylor comp. I feel like he's was a very underrated player coming into the draft. And uh, actually, some at the Senior Bowl before some at the combine. And um, I, I think he's a really good player. I think he's much like young Ike Taylor, though. I think he can be beaten. I think he he can be fooled. I really like the way the Seahawks play defense. It's very aggressive. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to have to give Mason Rudolph time to let these receivers make double moves. 
I, I really think like as aggressive as the Seahawks are, that they're very susceptible to double moves on the back end. But it's going to be about whether the Steelers' offensive line can hold up long enough and give Mason Ruff the time. You know, those even even not necessarily a double move, but that, like the slot fades and the slot the slot corners that we saw from Calvin Austin and Deontay Johnson last week. Those should work again this week. But it will be about the offensive line giving Mason Rudolph time on those slower developing routes. If you remember, Calvin Austin was wide open. Rudolph gets hit as he throws and is not able to, to get full extension into it. It's underthrown and, well, should have been a DPI, but whatever. Um, you know, that that kind of thing I think is going to be a key for the Steelers. I, you know, but Reek Woolen and, and Witherspoon, they're, they're big, physical, strong guys that like to play up in your face. I think you can get behind them, but you know, you gotta, you gotta protect. And I think George Pickens, this is a George Pickens game to me. You know, it feels like a game where they're going to need him to make combat catches against those guys. The back shoulder could be big for him. Uh, It's going to need to be another big George Pickens day. Mm, And, you know, we looked at not that long ago, obviously, and I'm bringing in a different matchup here, but we saw Pat Frymuth absolutely torch the Cincinnati Bengals only last week to not have a single catch against the Cincinnati Bengals. Could he find his way back into this offense against the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I think it really depends again, uh, you know, are the Seahawks going to overreact to what George Pickens did last week? You know, I think that's a question. Mm. You know, I think it was pretty clear that the Bengals were going to overreact to what Pat Fryermuth had done the week, you know, the, the previous game, right? And the Steelers had that nailed and 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 really got it. And so I, I think that was kind of obvious. Now I, I think this one's a bit more of a question. The Seahawks are like the Bengals, one of the more susceptible teams in the NFL to being attacked by the tight end. They've given up fifty-five. Uh, yards a game to tight ends this year. And so I think they can be beaten, um, but it will depend on how they're going to go. I really feel like the Steelers offense should feel like it has more answers than it has had at any point in this year, just in the way they played that Bengals game with so much confidence, so much execution all the way around. Um, You know, I thought Mason Ruff played well, but I thought, you know, that was the best game obviously by George Pickens. I thought it was a really good game, a really big bounce back game for most of that offensive line and for Najee Harris. I I just think the Steelers offense in general feels like it's in a pretty good place right now and that they're able to take advantage of whatever the Seahawks want to give them. Um, But they're going to have to protect. I think that's the big question. Last piece of the offense we didn't talk about, you just talked about Najee Harris. Can him and Jalen Warren kind of get the tone set on the ground in this one to be able to open things up for the pass game? Yeah, now, unlike the um, unlike the tight end, Seattle's quite well against the run. Um, and I think that they have the ability to bend but not break. It is a very similar defense to the Steelers, where I, f- I think you can get yards against them, and I think you can get into the red zone against them, but running against them in the red zone is tough. And I think the physicality of their corners and the aggressiveness with what they play, you know, when you don't have 20 yards downfield to go to make them pay for that, I think it plays up at a higher level. So I really think the area where I think the Seahawks defense has an advantage is the red zone. I think the Steelers will be able to move the ball on them 
you know, if you think about that last Bengals game, the Steelers did a really good job in the red zone of turning those drives into touchdowns. I think that will be an absolute key for the Steelers offense. If they're not able to score touchdowns on red zone trips, I think this is going to be a tough day for them. Uh, on the other side of things here, the Seahawks haven't had their two tackles for very long this season. They've been missing one for a lot. Like Abe Lucas spent a lot of time on IR. Charles Cross was a little bit banged up. But Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, their left and right tackle, going against Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. Very intrigued by that matchup as well because those are two young tackles that have probably played better right from the jump than people expected. Yeah, I think if I was Seattle, I'd be trying to run the ball a lot. I think I would try to help those young tackles. I think they are good enough run blockers. And, you know, I don't think the Steelers are so stout against the run that that's just suicide, right? I mean, I think they can mm-hmm. do it. And I, I really like Kenneth Walker, man. I think he's a, a really hard runner. I, I think he's good enough out of the backfield. And they've got a nice little one-two thing with Charbonnet. You know, I, I think they, they should really – want to run the ball and try to establish the run in this one. Geno Smith has been banged up. The last thing in the world I want is to get him hit a ton from the Seahawks. So maybe sure. you know, take your shots with DK, but I, I expect this to be a big Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant kind of game in terms of passing, but I think it's going to be as much Kenneth Walker as uh, as possible until the Steelers stop it and make him do something else. Yeah, and with no Elandon Roberts, that obviously presents a challenge. We both have talked about, you know, how how well Miles Jack just stepped right in and was able to play. But now, you know, going into this game, knowing that that's going to be the case, whatever that linebacker rotation is going to look like, they're going to have their hands full with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. So, how do you see those guys playing in that matching up? Yeah, I you know Roberts is a, such a big hitter. I think that that's the thing you miss with him out not, you know out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Where Jack is a fine tackler but he doesn't really you know punish people in the way that roberts does he doesn't move the pile backwards the way roberts does you know if you get into third and one you know i don't know if i feel as good about a steelers defense that doesn't have landon roberts in it in terms of making those stops on the run and then they've got to find a way to protect the flat and the short zones charbonnet is a good pass catcher walker is a good pass catcher it's a decent screen team i felt like they minimized the Bengals, but this will be a higher level challenge. I think the Bengals are more of a downfield passing team. I think the Seahawks are more content to pick you apart over the middle and in the flats. And uh, the Steelers have certainly been susceptible to that. Terrell Austin this week called it their Achilles heel. That's quite admission from the defensive coordinator uh, that uh, they've not been good enough in, def- in past defense in those short areas. Sure. Yeah. And, and what we'll, I want to do predictions here, but I want to ask you like, so looking across the board, Seattle versus Pittsburgh, where do you see the advantages for each team going into this one that they can attack? I think Seattle should try to lean on their crowd, you know, keep them in it, um, run the ball, control time of possession. And, you know, even if they give up yards on defense, get stops in the red zone, if the Steelers are going to win this game, I think they've got to get turnovers. You know, Geno Smith does not turn the ball over that much. They've got to find a way to get him flustered. They've got to find a way to take away those short stuff. I honestly feel like I want the Seahawks throwing the ball at DK Metcalf. I want them taking mm-hmm. deep shots. I feel like you make the Seahawks a lower percentage team by doing that. You might give up one big play. Honestly, it's the same defensive game plan as last week. Be aggressive. Take away the short stuff, make them beat you deep. And even if they do it once, 
you'll probably win. Yeah, like going into Seattle, that environment, you talk about like, you hear players all the time talk about like taking the air out of the football, playing a typical road game. That really feels like that's going to have to be the case with the 12s in attendance. I'm not sure that the Steelers are going to be able to run the ball against Seattle as well as they did against Cincinnati, especially like not from the get-up. Like maybe if they establish something in the passing mm-hmm. game and they're able to back some guys off, then they'll be able to take advantage against the run. But Seattle's not going to let them run the ball. They're going to try to get Mason Rudolph in the third and long. They're going to try to get him flustered. Uh, and I, you know, third down defense, uh, the, the Seahawks really bring it with their blitz packages. That's when they get really exotic. It is very much like playing against the Steelers. You've got to stay out of third and long against teams like that. It's going to be a tough task. I, I think I'm, I think I feel like I feel pretty good about the Steelers defense and the way they're lined up. I feel less confident about the offense in this matchup. Yeah, I, I, it's very interesting because if you just look at like the surface numbers, right? Seattle's defense this year, uh, 377.8 yards per game. That's 27th. Passing yards per game, 229. That's 19th. 129.6 yards on the ground. That's 27th. 23.5 points. It's 23rd. And third down percentage, 46.8, which is 31st. But they've seemed to really kind of come along as the season's gone on. And, but they're like 14th in sacks or something like that. They're, they're up they there are, in yeah. takeaways. Like they can make, they can yeah. hurt you. Um, they actually I, have more sacks than the Steelers. Yeah. Like that. that that's, that's what I said. Like it's very similar to the Steelers defense where like the, maybe the statistical totals don't really line up with what you're seeing on tape where you're like, oh, this is a good defense that can really beat you up and take the ball away and make you look stupid. And then you look at all the yards and you're like, you know, I I, I think it's hard to evaluate, but I think it's very similar to playing against the Steelers defense. That's for sure. Okay. Well, let's get into some predictions then. Cause I honestly, I think you did a great job right there. Kind of the way that you were talking about it without really giving your prediction, like kind of going both ways that I can't get a good read on how you're really Ooh. feeling about this game, which is what you want to do. Maybe I just don't know how I'm feeling about this game. Maybe, maybe okay. my, well, indecis- then- <laughs> maybe my indecisiveness was genuine. Maybe I have no idea what to say for this prediction. Could be the case. Um, I think it's going to be a defensive game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't see a repeat of last week in the cards for the Steelers in almost any way. Uh, I think this is going to be a team with a lot of fight and a lot of spirit, and I don't think you're going to get another laugher. I think the Steelers can win this game ugly, though. I do think that they will be a more motivated team. Um, You know, the Seahawks are in a good position. They need to win, certainly. They're pretty beat up, too. I don't know. I like the energy around the Steelers this week. I don't think they'll play that well on offense. I think the defense finds a way to get it done. I'll say the Steelers win 17-13. Ooh. Okay. I'm like right there. I was not, I'm 19-13 with the Steelers. I think we see a good bit of field goals in this one. I think Chris Boswell is going to be icing that leg a bit after this one. I, I like 19 19- better maybe honestly because i like the field goals i do my, my i think my 17 has a defensive touchdown i'll, I'll say that Ooh, i also to, i also want to say, say who it is oh no <laughs> maybe not i don't know you just know it's gonna be a defensive touchdown you don't I, know I the just feel like it'll either be a defensive touchdown or one that's sort of very directly set up by the defense like we got last week i also think darnell washington 
I don't know. Just got a feeling. Hmm. I don't. I looked up and down this Seattle defense, man, and like they don't have anybody to play against that guy. Like that. Like they're not big at linebacker. They play a lot of nickel. I don't know. Darnell Washington touchdown, defensive touchdown, Boswell field goal, narrow victory. Offense kind of looks like mud. That's kind of what I'm feeling. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, they, they don't have an answer for Darnell Washington, but will the Steelers even ask them that question? They haven't. That's the thing. They haven't. Right. Especially where things get tight in the red zone. We're talking about how Seattle's kind of able to clamp down defensively. With I feel like in the, the red, red zone, zone, like just how good Seattle is in that area, I do think that Darnell Washington is a, is like, that would kind of be a direction I would be leaning if I was the Steelers. Yeah, just how, see if he can draw a DPI or something in the end zone at the very least. Something. Yeah. Split them way out wide and see who they put on them. And then just throw a fade. <laughs> if it's yeah. a guy that's under six foot tall. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Right. All right, Alan. Uh, tell the people where they'd find you. Wait, wait, you still got a prediction to give here. Hold on. I said 1913. Oh, you, oh you're not going to elaborate on your, your score there? No. Uh, oh, uh, you know what? I'll go the other direction. Connor Hayward's okay. going to catch one. Oh, all right. All right. I don't see a defensive touchdown. I'm okay. going to say Connor Hayward gets a touchdown. Oh, do I want to get, like, really weird with this and say, like, was a two-point conversion in there or something? How are we getting to 19? No. Well, you get to 19 with a touchdown and a whole bunch of field goals. Yeah, four four field goals. Yeah. That would be that would be the conventional way to do it. That's what we'll stick with. Four Boswell field goals and a Connor Hayward touchdown. All right. There it is. 19 to 13 Steelers. Allen's got 17 to 13 Steelers. Let us know in the comments how you're feeling about it. Allen, tell the people they can find you. At A Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter at PGH Steelers Now, SteelersNow.com. You can find me in Seattle starting tomorrow night at like 11 p.m. And I'll be there all weekend covering uh, Steelers and Seahawks. So I'll be at Lumen Field. If you're there, I'll be busy, but like hit me up. Ooh, I don't know, maybe I can swing. You've been to Seattle? No. New, new stadium. Never even been to the state of Washington. Never been there at all. So I'm looking forward to it. And wow. uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Now people need to find you on. Twitter slash X, get you some food recommendations, something. They got to tell you. Yeah, hit me up with some. I I don't have a, we are well fed on these trips. So I don't like eat out a ton when we're on the road, you know, free breakfast, the hotel, then all the meals I could want at the stadium, basically. So, but I will probably need a couple spots. I'm staying in the Georgetown area of Seattle. I don't know if that's a good place to be or bad place to be, but we're going to find out. (laughs) We're going to find out. We'll find out. All right. I am Zachary Smith, PGH. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments with your predictions as well. Anything that we talked about in the game, matchups that you like, a bold prediction, whatever. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. For Alan Saunders and myself, thanks for jumping in and taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. (laughs) 